Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic update from our in-house economics team. And good morning to our resident podcast partner and Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good morning, Craig. Matthew, we've had a bigger week than normal on the economic news front, particularly domestically, as of course the world appears to be battling, unfortunately, a renewed bout of COVID-19. In the past week, we've had news of a major infrastructure fiscal plan, the PM starting to de- detail rather his renewable energy plans, the RBA's Deputy Governor Guy DeBell's latest speech, without any references to an 80s song as he normally likes to do, and our former PM Paul Keating giving the RBA and government some sage advice. Who needs a US election, a Fed update, or Brexit complications? However, I was hoping we could start with Bill Evans and his calling that a rate cut was imminent, leading to a stronger than normal market reaction. What specifically did Bill Evans predict, Matthew? Well, Craig, he's predicting that the RBA will uh, announce uh, cuts to interest rates at the next board meeting, which is on uh, Tuesday, October the 6th, which incidentally coincides with uh, federal government's uh, budget announcement. Uh, specifically, uh, Bill Evans and a handful of other commentators, uh, including economists at the NAB, are expecting the RBA to lower from 25 basis points to 10 basis points the cash rate, uh, the yield on three-year government bonds, and the rate that they charge commercial banks for loans taken out from the RBA's term funding facility. Um, They're also expecting the RBA to lower the rate they pay to commercial banks on reserves that the commercial banks park um, in the RBA's exchange settlement account from 10 basis points to one basis point. And finally, uh, Bill Evans thinks the RBA will announce an intentional increased purchases of Australian and semi-government bonds in that five to 10 year uh, maturity range. Wow, fairly comprehensive. And Westpac's paper came out the morning after the RBA Deputy Governor's speech. When you reflect on DeBell's speech, Matthew, what specific indications do you believe led to Westpac's prediction? Well, Craig, I don't believe there's anything um, in uh, Dr. But. Dr. DeBell's uh, speech that clearly indicated that the RBA uh, was intending to act at their next meeting. In fact, uh, the speech was largely an articulation of uh, the bank's options regarding future possible policies. And in that regard, it was almost a carbon copy of parts of Governor Lowe's speech to the uh, to the Nika Foundation back in July. And as we know, the bank uh, didn't change its policies in August. Um, nonetheless, I think there is an argument for further policy stimulus to be announced on October the 6th in particular as a, as a sort of way of in reinforcing uh, the messaging that will come from the uh, federal government on Budget Day in a sort of Team Australia display of uh, unity between uh, Treasury and the RBA and in an effort Uh, to really boost both business and uh, consumer confidence. Thank you for that update. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, helps break down the latest economic news. This, of course, is good news for a government running large fiscal deficits, Matthew. What monetary impact does this mean for Treasury? Well, uh, lower interest rates certainly make life uh, easier for treasuries. Um, First of all, it lowers the interest bill on government debt, making the higher debt levels uh, more sustainable. And incidentally, um, the day of publication of Bill Evans' rate call, 
the Australian Office of Financial Management was actually about to issue $25 billion of uh, Australian government bonds. Uh, and the subsequent drop in uh, market interest rates, which was only about five basis points, um, that was induced by Bill Evans' RBA call, was estimated by uh, Jonathan Shapiro at the Fin Review to have saved Treasury around $75 million. Um, lower interest rates will also hopefully stimulate economic growth and uh, stronger growth increases the tax base of the economy and, and therefore uh, Treasury's revenues, which help offset the interest payments on higher debt levels. And of course, that oversubscription that we're starting to see, I think the last six AOFM bond auctions, Matthew, are now at a whopping $299 billion for, of course, $100 million worth of government bonds. So three times oversubscribed. So plenty of institutional demand there as well. This week, we've also heard from our treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, in the lead up to the October 6 budget. We are being led to believe the government's preparing a $10 billion infrastructure fiscal spending plan. Now, apart from this being music to our ears, Dr. Peter, are we seeing the central banking government now finally working far more effectively together? Yeah, well, it is, um, you know, a, a, a move that we have been calling for, Craig, uh, and, and the RBA has been clear on this point as well. Both the governor and deputy governor have been uh, quite vocal in encouraging federal and state governments to do more by way of infrastructure spending and uh, fiscal stimulus in general. And for its part, the RBA has committed to uh, keeping interest rates low. So additional government debt is, uh, you know, so it can be manageable into the future. But to date, uh, as you just said, you know, private sector demand for government debt has been so strong and hence interest rates have remained so low that there has not really been much of a need for um, RBA intervention at this point. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr Matthew Peters, goes behind the scenes of the latest economic news. Matthew, speaking of treasurers, one of our more famous former treasurers and PM, Paul Keating, has penned a letter to the media accusing the Reserve Bank of Australia of conservatism, laziness and failing to do what is necessary to head off the worst of the coronavirus-induced economic crisis. It begs the question, what else could the RBA be doing? Well, Craig, I think the RBA would do well not to uh, listen too carefully to an embittered ex-politician with a chip on his shoulder who clearly still blames the RBA for losing the 1996 election. But uh, seriously, the RBA needs to, to remain vigilant. I believe uh, the strongest argument for additional RBA action can be made for the purchase of Australian government securities out beyond the three-year yield that the RBA is uh, currently targeting. Although uh, most private sector debt is held at the short end of the yield curve, hence the um, the RBA targeting the three-year level of the uh, of the uh, of the curve. When you look at the weighted average of uh, the Treasury's bond issuance, it's uh, 7.8 years and there's significant uh, holdings by foreign institutional investors out at the longer end of the curve. So that 10-year yield uh, still remains at around uh, 80 basis points. So lowering that yield, apart from lowering the interest bill to Treasury, uh, would also likely lower the Australian dollar. And as the economy uh, reopens and as Australia's bulk commodity prices begin to fall back to more sustainable levels, which are already seen in uh, for iron ore, for example, a lower Australian dollar should help boost um, our traded goods and services uh, sectors. 
I suppose in some form of defence for Paul Keating there, you know, we, we are seeing other central banks like the Bank of England and the New Zealand um, Central Bank as well sort of positioning for negative rates. And I think Keating was also sort of suggesting that the RBA could look to directly purchase bonds from Treasury as well. It, it does lead to a bit of a, a true-false question for you, uh, Matthew, which is, do you see interest rates in Australia going negative this financial year? No. I mean, the RBA has been quite categorical on that, so I don't think we've got much uh, risk of seeing negative rates this year. So with all this news that we're seeing at the moment in terms of the October 6 budget coming out and the Reserve Bank action, in the wash-up, Matthew, are there any clear signals here for an institutional investor? Oh, yes, Craig. Um, The obvious one is lower for longer interest rates. Uh, We won't see a rise in the cash rate for at least three years, and the 10-year bond yield uh, should remain close to around 1% uh, right out to 2023, we think. Um, Low interest rates and support to government fiscal policy by central banks uh, throughout the world means that the global financial system, not just in Australia but globally, is, is currently awash with liquidity, and and this liquidity will continue to support uh, valuations of risk assets. Uh, Finally, in a low interest, low growth environment where we've got risks of second wave viruses, uh, outbreaks, uh, we've got geopolitical risks, um, sporadic outbreaks in market volatility uh, will be a feature, an ongoing feature, I think, of the financial market landscape, notwithstanding that uh, enormous uh, tide of liquidity. And in that sort of world, I think quality real assets with a high weighting to stable income returns will continue to be uh, well uh, bid by investors. Thank you very much, Matthew. In summary, it does appear that our monetary and fiscal policy agendas are starting to work effectively together to support the nation. However, as we are seeing in the US, the UK and New Zealand, the RBA does have additional scope to do more and further support those fiscal policy expansions through reduced servicing levels. And there appears no lack of demand for our institutional demand for our government bond supply. Matthew, thank you very much for your insights today. I'm Craig Valenzuela. You've been listening to QIC's Take 10 QPod and have a super weekend.